move my body, when I move my feet, when I open my mouth, the darkness flees when I move my body, when I move my feet, when I open my mouth. worship the Lord.
this morning <laughs> we love you Jesus we love you Jesus You're a good, good father It's who you are 
Just praise Him. Just worship Him. Just thank Him. I wanted Heath to come on up, be our 10-minute speaker this morning. He just came back from somewhere in Central or South America. And I said, man, just share what God, what's God doing in the nations. Stir up that mission fire this morning, all right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stir it up. Hallelujah. Well, it's so glad. I'm so glad to be here. My name is Heath Adams. I've been coming here about a year and a half. And uh, I just want to give just a few minutes about myself before I transition into what God's been doing in Honduras. I served out in a church for, I don't know, 15, 18 years. And the Lord released me and put me in the ministry. And so uh, there for a transition season, I didn't really have a place to go or to tap into. And uh, one day I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, the gathering. I said, the gathering? I've never heard of the gathering. I've never heard of it. And then I got invited here, Pastor. And uh, I say this to say this, that this is the mission base, correct? This is a missions base. And on the way here this morning, the Lord gave me a scripture for this church. And so I got 10 minutes to turn the world upside down. Come on. So this is what the Lord gave me. It's in uh, Psalms 87.1. It says, His foundation is in the holy mountains. And what he wanted you to know, Pastor, is that this is the foundation of many that are called. Even when you were prophesying right here, many are called and this is foundational and that you're touching nations. This church is touching nations and touching nations and touching nations and cities and regions and it's being birthed right here, right, right here in Moravian Falls. And just when you were talking about the Moravians, I, I have not studied them and I'm going to study them. But I haven't studied them because I hadn't been here that long. I don't know a lot about it, about Moravian Falls. Maybe somebody can take me out to lunch and fill me in. But I do know this. I do know that what you're doing here, uh, you're doing a great job. And can you can y'all two stand up for me? Because the Lord really told me to do this. Uh, I want both of y'all to know, the Lord wants you to know that you're doing a great job. And you're making a difference. Can we give, our, give the pastors a hand clap of praise? Let's just stand to our feet and give them the best. Because the Bible says give honor where honor is due. And they're doing a great job in Moravian Falls. We thank you, pastors. We honor you, pastors. And you're doing a great job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I guess I got seven minutes. Well, uh, I have a couple of pictures that I want to put on the screen. Uh, we have an evangelistic ministry out of Hickory, North Carolina. We have a ministry, a small ministry center there. And we do equipping, empowering, releasing schools, prophetic, healing, identity, all the good stuff that the Lord, you know, wants to take us to, sonship. And we also have a healing rooms ministry where we pray for the sick on Thursdays and we see God do the miraculous. And we've been traveling overseas for years and we were just at Ocotepeque up near El Salvador. And how many knows Heidi Baker? Does everybody know Heidi Baker? Well, I've just been introduced to Heidi Baker a little bit, but I was riding. This was a six-hour ride in Pothole region after we traveled about eight to get there. And we were exhausted, Pastor, when we got there. But this is what we pulled up to. We were 30 minutes late, and we pulled up to this crowd. And it actually, this picture doesn't do it justice. It just wraps around. And we were right in front of the biggest Catholic church in the city. 
and right across from the government offices in that city. And so there was just thousands of people that showed up. And uh, they were so hungry for the Lord. Uh, in that next slide, the next one. We, this, is a, this is our salvation call. When we would preach and teach, people would just come running. I mean, they would just come running to the Lord. It was like full-fledged revival. You didn't really even have to say anything. They just came because the Spirit of the Lord was there. He goes before you, and He's your rear guard. Some of y'all really need to get that this morning, that He's always before you, and He's your rear guard. He's always protecting you and shifting things out of your life so that you can fulfill your destiny. And, then, and we had so many people get saved i mean it was just like when you were in haiti i just can't even describe it when you do the you'd say how many people want to receive the lord it'd be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds would stand up and come flying up to the front and what would really what really overtook me was true salvation would happen they didn't know the Lord, but they would come forward and they would get the whole package, Pastor. They would come forward and they'd be alcoholics and prostitutes and they'd have so many strongholds and bondages and they would come forward just to receive the Lord. And we would, I mean, we would just say a simple prayer and they would receive the Lord. And right then, the Spirit of the Lord would sweep through the place and they would get saved, healed, delivered, restored, and filled in one package. It wasn't salvation and then we're going to pray for healing and then then we're going to get it was like sozo it was the real deal they got the real package it's coming to america it's coming here chris it's coming to america and uh we just saw so many people get saved so many people get healed the healing lines at night would just be astronomical and you're just like how can i pray for all these people and but the lord will give you supernatural strength and, and these, the, the one that really touched me, we had several people where their blind eyes were open and God was just doing signs and wonders and miracles and people were throwing down their canes. And I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's just Jesus. He was there. He was healing his people. But there were some little girls that were there. And I've been seeing this all throughout the, the nations where, uh, you know, the, it says that the, in the end times that the, that the Lord will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers and the fathers back to the children. But these little girls come up, and uh, they had been beaten by their parents, and their arms had, were broken, and their legs had been broken, and they didn't have a hospital to set them back. They didn't have a lot of doctors there. They didn't even have an ambulance in the city, and, they had, and their hands were, like, turned different ways, and they had knots and things, and... You would just pray for them, and you'd see that knot go. It just vanished, and their arms would straighten up, and their legs would straighten up, and everything would just line up. And that was the first night. And so, at the second night, you got out of the car, and they'd just flood you. Then, I mean, it was just children flooding because they they never had an encounter like that. And you can go to the next uh, slide. And I know this is pretty hard to see, but this is what's coming to America. I'm talking about this is what's coming to America, to when the glory of the Lord hits the place, and it doesn't matter how big you are, how tall you are, he's just going to sweep through the place. And, Pastor, you're just going to have to just watch, just watch. And the Lord's just going to, he's going to hit the place. It's coming to America. Uh, it's already here. When I was sitting in the seat, I just saw, Pastor, that, you know, that on the day of Pentecost where the fire just fell on the people. I saw it right in here, just the fire just start falling on people's heads in here. And it's, it's coming, and I know we all say it's coming, it's coming. It's here. 
it's here. I, I went to a pastor's meeting yesterday, and on the way there, there was a sign. It was an old sign, and it said, pray for revival. And the Holy Spirit said, why don't they just be revival? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, I'm with you. I'm everywhere that you're at. Just be revival. It's already here, Pastor, like you said. It's here right now. And uh, if you'll hit the next slide. That's the pastor's conference. Uh, that was the most outpouring that I've saw in a pastor's conference. The Lord, the Lord literally walked in the building, and all the pastors were lined up, and he just walked right by them. People saw the Lord. He just walked right by them. I just sat there and watched, and they were just, it was the most precious thing. When he comes in the building, everything changes when he comes in. And so we're excited about what God did. We saw hundreds and hundreds of salvations. We saw hundreds and hundreds of healings and miracles. And uh, on, the, on the second day, I want to tell you this, and then I'm about wrapped up. On the second day, we were, uh, got invited to go eat at a restaurant. And while we were there, just so happened the mayor of the city came in. So he, he says, this is not a coincidence because I wasn't supposed to be here today. So I want to ask you guys to come to my office for coffee. And I said, well, yeah, we'll come. We'll come. And so when he, his intentions were to benefit himself. That's why he was asking us to come. Because he had needs and he saw Americans and he was like, they're going to help me financially. But, it, you know, God, everything in the natural reflects the spiritual. And when we were there, make a long story short, he got saved in his office right there. He received the Lord right in his office. And, and the next night, he was there, and they, they come back up to me. The, the leader of the, uh, the president of the Pastors Association came back up to me, and he said, he said, I want you to know that I met with the mayor today, and we, we want you back. This has transformed the city. This is, the pastors have never worked together in the history of the city. And 13 came together. The gospel's never been preached in the streets before in the history of the city in the history of the city. And so yesterday, the Lord completely shifted me and he said, Heath, I want to birth this in America. I do. He says, I want to birth it in America. And his heart beats for America, Pastor. And it's, I mean, it's right here. It's heartbeat is for, is for America. And uh, I just got one more thing. Can I pray for a, a couple of people? Is that okay? See, in the season that I'm in, you know, we show ourselves and we study and show ourselves approved. The Lord gives it to us, but just like the pastor said, we're in such a season now, it's, it's, so, we're, it's just speeding up. It's just, uh, we're on such an increase, I can't keep up with it anymore, so I quit trying to figure it out. So all I hear is, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So that's how he's given it to us. And, and so I'm just up here by the Spirit of the Lord, you know. I don't know what he's going to do, but I do know a couple of things that he wants to do. I just want to pray for a couple of people. Because there's two angels in this room right now. There's two angels. And there are people in this room that have things to do. I've, I've said all this about me. I'm a country boy with just a high school education. And if you'll just step forward and, like, go to the nations, it doesn't matter who you are. It's not your ability. It's his ability. And he can use any person in this room to do anything if, you, if you'll just be obedient. That's all it is is our obedience. And so the Lord, he challenged me. He said, there are people here that I've gave things to, and they, they need to be launched out this morning. And he said, there are people here that have books to write. And they haven't been able to write them because things are holding them back. And strongholds are holding you back. And, there's, uh, and I don't know who you are, but 
I, I'm going to pray for you. Does anybody here want to write a book? Does anybody? Look here. I don't know anything about this. I just want you to know I just finished, almost finished my first book. Who would have ever thought a country boy could write a book, Chris Taylor? I didn't know anything about that. But uh, uh, Kim Fletcher has really been great with Life, Life Compass Publishing. She has really hooked me up, and Mercy Hope is doing the, the design work, and we're almost there. We're almost there. And so if I can do it, you can do it. And, and here's the thing we pray for to be uh, financially blessed, and God gives us these seeds, and he drops seeds. You know, we want money, but he gives us seeds. And so then we have to steward those seeds that he gives us. So I just want to pray for just a couple of things. If you have, if you're a book, if you have a book, I want you to raise your hand. And then there's another one. The Lord's putting on somebody's heart to start some type of a trucking company. It may, I don't know what it's about, but I just heard trucking company. And it may not be here. It may be, on, it may be through the airways, but even a trucking company. But I want to tell you that to tell you this, because the Lord told me, Pastor, that provision is coming in this house. It's going to be, it's, the season of lack is over and provision is here and it's coming. So if you have a book, if, you, if you're a book writer or you, if, if God's told you that you're going to own a business, I just want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, right now, Lord, I break every stronghold that's holding every person back right now in Jesus' name, Lord. Every hindrance, every stumbling block, every generational attachment be gone in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we just call you forth right now to be a son and a daughter of God and to write that book and to open that business and to fund the kingdom of God. To fund the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. And I got one more thing. Come on up here, Pastor. I got one more thing. I had a vision a couple of years ago about uh, just like that on the mountain. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's, that's a great picture. And that's what I saw. I was up on, near the up on top of the mountain in Boone, and I was praying. I used to go there and pray before I found out about Moravian Falls. Now I come here to pray. But uh, I saw the Lion of Judah on top, and he roared, and I heard a shock. It was like a shockwave went across the foothills. And he said, he said three things. He said, there's three things coming, Heath. He said, there's going to be, I mean, we're going to be radical for the Lord. So I just want to tell you the three things that he said was coming. He said there was a fire that was coming. And it was a little, and that's what I saw today. I saw the fire that was going to hit, just like you were talking about, Pastor, the fire. And then he said, there's going to be a wind. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in these services. There's going to be a wind. It's Ezekiel 37 where it says the four winds of heaven will blow restoration, reconciliation. It's going to blow. But then he told me one more thing, and so I'm just going to really go out there. He said the rain was coming, and I said the rain was coming. I've been experiencing this, and I believe it's, you're going to see it too, Pastor. It's the rain is coming, where it's literally raining from heaven in services, just raining. But what I saw at that time was bands just showing up, just bands. And I know that's crazy, but it's happening overseas. It's happening, and these, these, this heavenly rain is just showing up. And nobody's even praying for people. They're just walking through it and getting healed. It's just showing up. So I'm just, it's just get ready, get ready, get ready, because it's about, it's about to come. And, and when you start your book and you start your business and you start the things that God has for you, the, thing that, the one thing the Lord told me to share with you guys is find somebody to help you steward what he's gave you. Steward what he's gave you. We've got mighty men of God in here. Chris Taylor's a business owner. He's a mighty man of God. And, and just 
Get with people to help you steward and develop and meet like pastors doing with these young men to nurture those seeds. Thank you for having me, and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord bless you. Thank you. Amen. Wow. Well, thank you. That was, that was a hearty round of applause. Um, let's see, I got 30 minutes. Um, well, I was, um, you know, God is so faithful. He's such an honoring God. I love him so much. Chris and, and um, JT, that worship this morning, that was so awesome. It was so ministering to me. What an awesome God we have and how honoring he is to us. And he truly is an honoring God. Okay, I'm going to try to remember to keep this. Pastor called me and said, please put the mic at your mouth. So it's going to be loud because I'm going to do what he told me to do. All right. Um, but we have such an honoring God. And, and he's a good heavenly father. And all we can do is do our best, and then he does the rest. Now, I've got a message this morning, and I always have too much. I always have too many notes, and I'm sure I'm not going to be able to get to them all, but we're going to do our best. I felt like the Lord said to me when I was asking him, what do you want me to speak about? And I've known for a couple of months, but I just never could get anything. And then finally, I heard the Lord say to me the other day, prepare my people for persecution. And I thought, wow. And I heard it very, very clear. And I had all sorts of things that I could talk about this morning, because you know that that book of mine that took me six years to write, it's in the hands of the professionals now. And we'll probably, you know, have it to, for sale at the end of February if all goes well. But um, it's, they've got it. I've released it. It's there. But, you know, there's just so many things that I could speak about. But I really felt like the Lord said to me, prepare my people for persecution. And I said, okay. So, I mean, I just started, I mean, just waves of revelation and scriptures and all those things started coming. And I was like, okay, so how do we do this? And I felt like the, the Lord just started showing me things, and that's what we're going to try to unpack this morning. So hang in there with me. Um, I've got a lot of scripture, probably won't read all of it, and probably I'll just break out and try to share what's on my mind and my heart and then get to the scriptures as we can. Are you guys okay with that? All right. So we're going to start, though, with Amos 3, 1, and 7, I believe it is. If you've got that, I think I gave him a list of scriptures, and I think he's got some of them prepared for us. Um, and of course, that one is surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And you know, before this, he's talking, um, he's talking to Amos, and he's saying, Hey, um, this is what I'm doing in the earth. And um, if there's a calamity in, a, in the city, will not the Lord have done it? After that, he says, a lion's roared. Who will not fear? The Lord has spoken. Who but can prophesy? And so what's happening here is Amos is standing on the shoulders of everything that God has ever done. He started in, in the garden when, he, when, when Adam and Eve fell and said, you know what? The sin, the, the, um, the sin that you have done here by not believing me and trusting me, this is going to end up in a cursed life for you. You're going to be under a curse. And he told them that. And then throughout scripture, he continued to tell them that. Enoch came along and said, look, this thing that we're doing in the earth right now, God is the creator of creation. He is the sovereign majesty. He's, it's not going to change. 
you're not going to vote him out. Things aren't going to be different. God is always going to be God, and he's never going to be anything different than that. He has given the earth into the hands of men for a certain season, and when this season is over, God is going to judge those things. He's going to bring justice. He's a, judge, he's a God of justice, and he's going to bring justice to the earth. And so these things, you're going to get a season of them because he's, a, he's also wanting to teach us. He's a God that teaches us through sowing and reaping. He put us on the planet. He put us in that cycle. It's a feedback loop. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you reap. It's a teacher to us. And he's saying to us, I'm going to show you how this works, Adam. You've done something here, and you're going to start reaping thorns from the earth. You're going to start reaping things that you have sown into the earth. And then, and then um, Enoch comes along and says, hey, you know, God is going to come back someday with thousands upon thousands of his saints, and he's going to judge the world. He's going to judge unrighteousness. And then Noah comes along and picks up the message, and Noah says, hey, and the, and the New Testament tells us that Noah preached for all those years. He preached for, what, 120 years, was it? He preached righteousness, and he said, God is going to judge the unrighteous deeds done by men. We cannot continue to do this. The earth belongs to the Lord. You've got to listen to the Lord. And when they, when they disconnected from him and called him a crazy and all of that, they were basically sealing their fate because they had a witness in the earth through Noah that God was not going to put up with unrighteousness. God is a holy God. You know, we want to, the Bible says that, that he cannot be, he is holy, he is perfect. He cannot be joined with that that is unholy. If he were joined with something unholy, that would make him unholy, and that's just not going to happen. He can never be unholy. And we want to live with him for eternity. And he says that some of us will have things that can still are honest, but they will be burned up in the fire at the end of the age, and we will be saved, our spirits, but those things will not be saved. Those are the wheat, those are the um, wood, hay, and stubble things that aren't being saved. You guys with me? Okay. So Noah, he preaches against rebellion. Um, Moses, Moses comes along, and, and God, and, and see, first Abraham comes along, and God says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, I'm going to raise up a nation. It's going to be my nation, and I'm going to teach the nations. See, he, at the Tower of Babel, he, they all said, we're going to build ourselves a nation. We're going, to, we're going to commit national treason against God. And God looked at that and said, wait a minute, you're just a little bit too young for that. You have no idea that what it is that you're planning to do is going to cause so much hardship, so much sorrow, so much terror. You have no idea yet. You don't even have a grid for me. How can you do this? I'm not going to allow you to do it. I'm going to put a restraint on, I'm going to put a restraint on nation building, unified nation building with one king to rule the earth. I'm going to let that happen at the end of the age because I know that's in your heart. But I'm putting, I'm putting a stop on it right now because you're too young. Abraham? I'm going to raise up a nation. I'm going to show them what I would call righteousness. I'm going to teach them about my ways. Nobody has a grid for me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to raise up a nation, and I'm going to train the nations through my nation. I'm going to make her a role model to the whole earth of what I'm about, who I am, how to approach me, and all the things that I am. And so that's what God did. He raises up a nation. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, you're out of your mind. That's my slave labor. There's no way I'm letting him go. And by the way, who is your God? And what audacity you have to come into my presence. I am the king of Egypt, the strongest Babylonian-styled kingdom in the earth at that time. What audacity do you have to come into my presence and tell me that your God wants my slaves? And of course, Moses told him, it's going to be bad for you. 
Things are not going to work out if you're going to fight God. I'm just telling you right now. And of course it was. And all that stuff happened. So Moses warns them. And then all the prophets, all the prophets of the Bible are picking up on this thing. See, Moses, when he brought them out of the, the um, promise, when he brought them out of Egypt and they were out in the wilderness, then he gives them the laws of God and how to worship God and all of that kind of stuff. And then he stands them out there and he reads, it, he reads all of them to everybody and he says, okay, everybody, this is what God requires. Are you guys in or are you out? And the whole nation, the Bible says, said, we're in. We agree. We're going to do this thing. So um, that is Exodus 24, 3 through 4. I think you might have that one. So Moses came. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words. And so Moses is telling the people, Look, if you go read that, it goes on and on and on forever. It spans a long, long portion of the scripture. And Moses is telling them, this is the blessings that will come upon you if you obey the Lord. If you do not obey the Lord and you start worshiping idols and you start um, trying to be like the nations around you, these are the curses that are going to come upon you. And part of those curses are that you are going to be taken captive by those nations that you're lusting after, that you want to be like. They're going to come in. They're going to take you captive. They're going to kill you. They're going to destroy your city. You're going to be scattered to all the places in the earth. And in those places that you're scattered, you're going to remember the Lord. And then the Lord is going to come and he's going to redeem you back and he's going to bring you back to your land and this is what's going to happen and he told them that before they ever even entered the promised land I mean talk about you know God he does I call it prophetic due diligence he does nothing except he first tell his prophets so Moses said to them this is these are the terms and conditions and they said we agree okay let's do this thing and of course, we know that they failed at it miserably, which any of us would have. It, didn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who any nation on the earth would have failed miserably. And that's the point, one of the points. So then they failed miserably. They, they succeeded some. God protected them. He was showing the earth, look, you follow me, you do things my way, you get blessings. If you don't, this thing is going to end badly for you. Because at the end of the day, I'm a just God. And listen, if God allowed Satan to, to be on the rampage forever, for all eternity, or if, he or if he allowed a man to rule the earth for eternity, what kind of God would he be? He is a just God. We got six days to work. And at the end of the six days, every man's deeds will be judged. Every nation will be judged. And it's over. It's over. And at that time, we're going to know that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when we sow into our selfish ambitions, treason against God, it ends badly. There will be no doubt. So, Moses gives him this warning, and then from that point forward, every prophet that ever came to Israel, every one of them, go read your Bible in the sum of the word, every single prophecy, every single prophet that ever came was standing on the shoulders of what was spoken by all of those that we just mentioned, including Moses. Stood on the shoulders of that and said, this is what God said. You guys are sinning. You put idols in the temple. You're worshiping idols. 
you've forgotten about God. And they're, they're warning the people over and over again. This is what the prophets said were going to happen. I mean, you know, they weren't out there on a limb. There was no limb. God does nothing except he first tells prophets. He started in the, in the Garden of Eden, and he did it all the way through. He's never been without a witness. He's always told us the way this thing's going to end. He's always told us we've never been without a witness in the earth. And every single prophet stood on the shoulders of every, every prophet before them of what Moses had said and everything else when they brought their words to the nation and said, you are going to be judged. A nation stronger than you is going to come in and overtake you. You're going into captivity. Moses even said to them, he said, you know what's going to happen? Nations are going to come against you, and they're going to surround you, and they're going to trap you in your cities, and you're going to be starving, and you're going to eat your children. Moses told him that. And it happened. It happened. Some of the stuff he told them, they knew. And all the prophets that came just was repeating what Moses had said. Nothing new here. And then Jeremiah comes along, Jeremiah 12, um, 7 through 13, 1. Do you have that one? Jeremiah comes along, and um, I, what, what, I don't even know what version I'm reading from. Um, I have forsaken my house. I have cast off my heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my life into the hands of her enemies. My heritage has become to me like a lion in the forest. She's uttered her voice against me. Therefore, I have treated her as if I hated her. I think this is the Amplified. It is, my is my heritage to me like a speckled bird of prey? Are the birds of prey against her round about? Go assemble all the wild beasts of the field. Bring them to devour. Many shepherds of an invading host have destroyed my vineyard. They've trampled my portion underfoot. They've made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They have made it a desolation. At this time, it wasn't desolate. He's prophesying to them the desolation to come. They have made it a desolation and desolate. It mourns before me. The whole land's been desolate, and no man lays it to heart. Destroyers have come upon all the bare heights in the desert. For the sword of the Lord devours from one end of the land to the other, and no flesh has peace or can find a means to escape. They've sown wheat. They've reaped thorns. They've worn themselves out without profit. And they shall be ashamed of their lack of harvest and revenues because of the fierce and glowing anger of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, and I want to bring this up, this is our next point. Thus says the Lord against all my evil neighbor nations who touch the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them up from their land, and I will pluck up the house of Jacob from among them. And after I have plucked them up, I will return and have compassion on them, and I will bring them back again, every man to his heritage and every man to his land. And if these neighbor nations will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, saying, As the Lord lives, even as I taught my people, to, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they will be built up in the midst of my people. But if any nation will not hear and obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Okay, this is really getting serious now. Really serious. So God's got a nation, and he's teaching the earth and the nations of the earth. This is what happens to nations. Now we've moved past individuals. This is what happens to nations. I'm doing something with Israel. She's, she's a, a training tool in my hand, 
You're watching me parrot her. You're watching me be her God. And you're watching what happens when I step aside. And you might say, well, that was mean of God. No, you know what God did? He just literally just stepped aside and said, you want to go hang out with them and worship their idols? You want to hang out with them? It's going to be a fun, great party for you? Let me just step aside. What did he do in Ezekiel? He, he left the temple of God. He left the temple, Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord leave the temple. And he didn't come back again until Jesus stepped on the planet and walked back into the temple. He said, I'm going to step aside. And the nations were salivating to kill the wife of God, as he called her. They were just waiting to get in there and get at him. Because God had a restraining order on him. And he was not allowing them to break into his nation and touch her. And he was giving them soft judgments, soft judgments here and there. You know, he was allowing um, nations to come in and um, extract taxes from them and all of these kinds of things. There were calamities. There were um, things that were happening. These were the softer judgments. And all the time they were happening, every single prophet was telling them, this is what's happening. This is exactly what Moses told us. This is what you guys agreed to. This is what God is doing. This is where it's headed. Please repent. But they didn't. Even the Babylonians were listening to Jeremiah. They knew exactly what was going down. When they, remember, when they broke into Israel, they found him and they freed him. They'd been listening to him. They believed him. Satan believes him. Satan believes the prophets of God. He has no problem. But we're arrogant and we don't believe that God would actually do stuff like this. So now we've got nations, and God is dealing with nations, and we are in an age where God is dealing with nations because he's brought Israel back to her land, and he's placed her in her land, and now she's sitting in the center of nations, and she is, she is angering the nations. She is, um, a, rod of con she is a, a, a contention to the nations who are gnashing their teeth at her, and they want her to die, and God is saying, okay, lift up your heads, all ye nations. Let me see where you stand. Because, see, when Jesus Christ, Messiah, came to the earth, we crucified the Lord of glory. We put out our hands. Satan did it. He knew what he was doing, trying to kill God. And the people of the earth suddenly lift up and try to kill that nation who stands for God. And God is saying, wait a minute. Anyone who touches you touches the apple of my eye. I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation. I have made them a teaching tool for the nations. This is what's going to happen. You will be a sheep nation or you will be a goat nation. And, I, and this is the valley of decision, putting Israel right there, raising her back up. What are you going to do? And now he watches. Just like King David. King David, God said, you're not building my throne because you're a man of war. Your son's going to build my, my temple. I meant to say temple. Your son's going to build my temple. So what happened? Every enemy of Israel just seemed like every time he turned around, just popping their heads up, just coming to attack him, coming to take some of his land away from him. And every time he turned around, he had to go to war and fight these enemies. And by the time he was done with his kingship, he had fought every enemy that had come against him, and the land was at peace. 
so that his son could inherit a throne of peace. And God the Father said, sit, there, sit beside me while I make your enemies your footstool. I am putting Israel back in her land, and I am watching the nations to see how they respond. And when his son comes back, every nation on the earth that has any, any wood, hay, and stubble, any treason in their hearts against God will be burned with fire, and everybody that, that stands against Messiah will be dealt with. Read the book of Revelation. So the season that we're in right now is a season of um, nations. God is dealing with nations, which means persecution. Because we've already seen our nation... I'm going to go into that just a, a few minutes, but let me, let me go right here for just a moment. Jesus spoke pain, plainly of persecution, and he told us to expect it. John 15, 17 through 25. Um, I know I'm reading a lot of scripture. You guys hanging in there with me? All right. Got it? Okay. This is what I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would treat you with affection and would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, no longer one with it, but I have chosen selected you out of the world, this is the Amplified, by the way, the world hates you and detests you. Remember that I told you, a servant is not greater than its master, is not superior to him. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word and obeyed my teaching, they will also obey yours. But they will do all this to you, inflict all this suffering on you because of your bearing my name on my account, for they do not know or understand the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to him, God does nothing except he first tells his prophets. He's always had, he's always had um, someone, a witness throughout history. Israel is our witness today. We are without excuse. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, um, but now they have no excuse. Whoever hates me also hates my father. If I had not done accomplished among them the works which no one else had ever done, they would not be guilty of sin. But the fact is, now they've seen these works, and they've hated both me and my father. But this is so that the word written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And then we're going to go on to John 16, 1 through 4. Hang in there with me. Is this good? You guys getting it? I have told you all these things so that you should not be offended. So the Lord said to me, prepare my people for persecution. And I said, how do you do that? And he said, look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? I said, Jesus talked about persecution a lot. And then he lived it right in front of us. He went straight to the cross. He said, you, I could call down legions of angels right now. You couldn't touch me without the permission of God. I lay my life down willingly. You do not take it from me. He told us about it constantly, and here's what he has to say about it. I've told you all these things, this is Jesus speaking, so that you should not be offended, taken unawares, again it's the Amplified, taken unawares and falter or be caused to stumble and fall away. I told you to keep you from being scandalized and repelled. They will put you out and expel you from the synagogues, but an hour is coming that whenever, whoever kills you will think and claim that he has offered service to God. And they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. But I've told you these things now so that when they occur, you will remember that I told you. 
I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. And then um, John 16, um, verse 33, I'm not sure I gave him this one, but maybe I did. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation, trials, distress, frustration, but be of good cheer, be confident. I have overcome the world. I've deprived it of its power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. We have a good, good God. He's preparing us ahead of time. You know, um, one of the scriptures, I can't think of it right off the top, because I have a real hard time with addresses. I just think kind of globally, and I have a hard time going to the address in the Bible sometimes. But, um, and then that, telling you that whole story, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, well. I might get it back here in a minute. I might get it back in a minute. Um, all right. Let's see. covered that. Wow, we've covered a lot of this. How am I doing? Good. All right. Um, covered that. All right, so then we go to the book of Revelation. Jesus warns us that we are going to be hated. We are going to be hated for his name's sake. We are the witnesses today. Israel, the nation of Israel, God is going to do everything he's told her that he was going to do to her, and history proves that. He's gathered her back to her land, and someday Jesus Christ is going to step back on the earth, and he's going to walk into Jerusalem, and they are going to grieve. Their hearts are going to be cut over what they've, what, what they've done and how they have treated that son that was born among them. And, they're, and like I, I think of Joseph when I think of that occasion, and I think how Joseph, his brothers, when they realized that he was over all of Egypt, freaked out. And they thought he's going to kill us and throw us in prison, but he just closed the doors and hugged them and cried on their necks and loved on them for a while. I believe this is what the Lord is going to do with Israel. The testimony of Israel and the education she has given us is profound, provocative, and confident. Every prophecy has come to pass. So now, God has raised her up. And I believe what's going to happen is, you know, the, the scriptures talk about Daniel. Daniel talks about a war that's going to happen in the Middle East with Syria and some other places in the Middle East. And, this, um, that, and Ezekiel talks about it as well when he talks about Gog and Magog. I think they could maybe be the same war. Remember, Daniel and Ezekiel were both living at the same time. They lived in Jerusalem, and they were the last, they were the last generation to see the temple of Solomon before it was burned by the Babylonians. And they were both taken into captivity, Daniel on raid number one, Ezekiel on raid number two. And through the mouth of two or more witnesses, let all things be established and God gives Ezekiel visions and he gives Daniel visions and you pull them together and you see such an amazing picture of God's faithfulness in the prophetic word. It's so confident. It's so provocative. It would take a fool not to see what God is saying in the earth today. It would take a fool. So God is doing this and um, he's, he's saying, here's Israel. She's back here. Okay, I'm watching. And it's a fight. If you're going to mess with my people, and you see it in Daniel, and you see it, um, you see it in all the other prophets, that those in the last days when he brings his people back to the land, he's going to fight for her in the battle of Gog and Magog. It could be nuclear. We have no idea. It looks, it looks like it. I mean, people are standing, and their skin is melting off their bones. I don't know. It's crazy. But at the end of the day, Israel is still a sovereign nation. 
and those that are attacking her are not a sovereign nation. And I believe that that might and could be, I don't know, it could be the occasion where, you know, those nations who gather together to attack Israel, and they could be covertly gathering together because when we, when we look at that, um, when we look at those scriptures, what we see is that this Syrian king in the book of Daniel from the north who has put together an army to attack you know, that part of the, of the uh, world and attack Israel, he's got massive arms, nobody stands in his way, and he evidently is very powerful because he brings fear into the heart of those Middle Eastern nations because of his power to, to make war. And I don't know where he got all of that. Maybe he's got some covert help. Maybe, maybe the United States wants to see the Middle East leveled. Maybe Russia wants to see the Middle East leveled. It's pesky over there. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of um, oil level and start over bringing an international community of nations and bring in governance, international governance. I don't know. It could be an opportunity for the Antichrist government to form. Because remember, God has put a restraining order on that government until such time as he's ready for it to rise up in the earth. And I believe that today God has a, a, a huge restraining order, but he's going to allow that restraining order to be taken back little by little by little as he allows the Antichrist government that that cooperation among nations to form and anybody who gets involved in a war that concerns Israel and is, on, and is not on Israel's side they have just made themselves a goat, goat nation God is very clear I didn't make this stuff up this is in the Bible I'm not making it up they're a goat nation and the people in that nation are in trouble and God is a righteous God and justice. He's now turned his eyes onto the nations. I believe this is a, you and I, he's been dealing with us. I mean, he's been dealing with me. He's been dealing with my family and, and, and yes, and there's all sorts of things that he's broken off of me and he will continue to break off of me. Praise God, I'm grateful I wouldn't change a thing. And he's dealing with each one of us individually and will continue to do so because he's looking for people who can handle his power and his glory on their lives and stand up as a light in the earth in these days and speak the truth as speaking the very oracles of God and have the light of God shining upon them as a witness to the nations that our God reigns. He's looking for that. That's going to happen. That's going to continue to happen. And those are the people in Daniel that rise up and they shine brightly and they, they do great exploits. I'm expecting everyone in this room, if we've got a head on our shoulders, to be those people. Every one of us. But God is, is dealing with nations, and it's not going to be pretty. And you know, he says he begins in his own house. He begins with us, but now he's dealing with nations. He, he began with Israel. She is our... Do, do you want a picture of what could happen to a nation if, if they um, rebel against God? Look at what happened to Israel. Look at her history. Bad news, the bad news, the Nazi bad news. We don't want it. It's the bad news. So, but I think because God is the way he is, he's such an honoring God, and he tells us everything before he begins, and he lays it all out there so that no one can say, one of the, one of the prophets says, God is speaking through the prophet, and he says, I told you in advance because I know how you are. 
I left nothing to chance. So God is working with the nations, and whatever happens there in that Middle East could create a situation where the goats and the sheep make themselves known. And then God just starts working. His, he just It's kind of like a concentric, concentric circle, and the tra trajectory just con continues to get larger and larger and larger like a woman who is going to give birth. You know, the birth pangs just keep getting more frequent and frequent and frequent. I think the tra trajectory will begin with the neighbors, ancient neighbors around Israel, which God has always told them, don't mess with them. Don't be happy about what you're doing to them because you're next. And we've gone thousands of years, and a lot of them have said, well, that was a bunch of nonsense. But now they're going to get to see what next means because they're the neighbors, the ancient neighbors who've hated them and continue to hate them. And so now they're going to get to see what it's like to fight God. And then from there, the trajectory is also going to increase, and it's going to increase to those who have stood with Israel, I believe, her, her friends. And all of a sudden, they've abandoned her in her day of need. That could possibly be the United States. And every time that this happens, it's going to be a message to other nations in the earth. Don't mess with me. It's going to be hard on you. I am going, the kingdoms of this world be, will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. This is not optional. God is going to do this in the earth. So we, we've been praying. We must continue to pray. God, this, what is going on right now is preparation for you and I deal with our stuff so that we can run with the horsemen of revelation. We are in that age. We are in the age where the nations are going to be sifted just like Israel was sifted in her, in her day. God is patient with us. He's long-suffering. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of him, but he resists the proud. Now, um, two minutes. Can I have a few more minutes? <laughs> I don't think I can do it in two minutes. <laughs> I just want to say that God can keep us safe. And I wanted to remind us of some folks. Noah was protected from the people of his age. Lot protected in Sodom and Gomorrah when God brought down calamity. Moses protected from an insecure and evil ruler while he was still a baby. Jeremiah kept, under, uh, kept safe under house arrest, but he was a trumpet to that nation in her final days, and he was kept alive. Daniel kept alive as a light in a dark government. Ezekiel kept alive as a trumpet to a remnant. Jesus protected as a baby from a despot king and a serial killer. Jesus protected on many occasions. The disciples protected and released from jail. Paul protected to give testimony to the Romans. I believe that the end times are the culmination of man's six days of work, and this is a time that, you know, it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a term that we use loosely, but, you know, when you, when you read the scripture sometimes, some of these things can't be defined black and white. I believe that the end times is a, is, is a time when man's transgenerational treason is brought to fruition, is brought to a maturity, and God's people are brought to maturity when we lay aside those things that easily bind us. This is a polarizing age. Um, 
You know, we have an opportunity in the United States to repent. I'm speaking to the United States right now. We have an opportunity to repent. Repentance, look at Nineveh. A nation can repent. We have an opportunity to repent and not be a, a, a goat nation. Already we're under soft judgments. Let me read some of these. Um, we have witnessed soft judgments through weather calamities that affect our food and our economy. We've come under the rulership of evil kings who have subjected us to slavery through taxation. And they've now claimed, claimed ownership over our bodies through health care and vaccines. We are now tormented with fear of violence on our streets and thievery by our government. We have a standing army watching our every move through the technology of surveillance. We are under judgment right now at this very moment. If we follow the same traject trajectory, get that word right here in a minute, as Israel, next up we'll be invaded by other nations and they will extract our wealth, restrict our movement, claim ownership on our land, and expect us to continue working as slaves. If that trajectory continues and no national repentance happens, we'll be destroyed by war and driven from our homes. This is true for every nation. I'm not talking about just the United States. This is the Bible. I'm not making it up. Just looking at Israel. She is been put in the earth for our education, the education of the nations. And this concentric circle of judgment will grow ever wider until every nation on the planet is sifted and shaken so that rebellion is recognized and an opportunity for repentance is given. And then finally, when the nations of the earth have been refined by the fires of judgment, they will be distilled in their positions, either of treason against God or repentance. And of course, we know that God's not going, they, um, in, in Daniel 12, it, it's, um, and Jesus also said the same thing, that the last days would be so difficult that no flesh would survive except that God would stop and, and bring an end to it. And that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're quickly moving toward. Um, and then I wanted to read Daniel. I read this last time I think I spoke. It's one of my favorites. You guys, you guys with me? I'm, I'm closing. These are some of my closing statements here. <laughs> okay. All right. The Ancient of Days. Now remember, Antichrist, when this scripture takes place here, when Daniel's vision, Antichrist is running rampant over the earth, killing, pillaging, doing all the things that he does because man, left to his own devices, will create a one-world government that is so awful and so horrible that everyone, as I said, will recognize. So um, this is Daniel 7, 9, and I'm probably going to skip through this a little bit. I kept looking until thrones were set up. Well, before that, he's looking at this little horn, this Antichrist, who many believe it's Antichrist, and me also. And he's uttering great boasts. And then I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. 
His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court was set, the books were opened. And then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which this horn was speaking. And I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given into the burning fire. And then I kept looking, verse 13, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and it was given to him dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will never pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And we know that this is Jesus Christ. And his saints will come with him, the Bible tells us, with myriads. Well, Enoch, as far back as Enoch was telling everyone, I saw the Lord coming in the last days with his saints at his side. Okay, and I wanted to read this, and this will be my close. And it's, um, it's not very long. Are you guys still good? Okay, all right. And this, this comes from that book that took six years that the professionals have. But this, this is so good. Every, every time I read this, I'm like, I just want to cry. When the Ancient of Days takes his seat, all of heaven will be present as far as the eye can see, and he will be surrounded by the saints of every age who also sit on thrones appointed to him. They are the ones who loved not their lives unto death. They will be the star witnesses to judge Satan, Antichrist, and his partners in crime. Like rats fished from the holes of the earth, this unholy ensemble will stand awestruck and terrified when they lay their eyes on God Almighty and his radiant and exalted saints. Do you remember when the Queen of Sheba visited Solomon and she said, I cannot believe how beautiful the, the folks are that, that um, serve you in your kingdom. It's, it's the, the half has never been told. Words will be unnecessary in the pulsating splendor of the courtroom of God. The verdict of damnation will be rendered and the angels will swiftly remove Antichrist and his cohorts to the lake of fire and Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Then Jesus Christ the Messiah will be ushered before the Ancient of Days, God the Father. He will receive the scepter of the earth and commanded, be commanded to go forth into Jerusalem. At once, a deep and ancient cry will pour forth from the bosom of the saints who have held this moment in their hearts for thousands of years and through perils, pains, and persecution. They will sing a song that only they can know and learn. And this song will be born in the secret place of love and communion in the marketplace of misunderstanding, rejection, and martyrdom. It will take a moment, perhaps longer, for the welled-up emotions to be fully released and the tears to fall. Shut off from the world and tucked safely in the arms of Messiah, his bride will find healing and strength in the reward of her faith, a face-to-face -face eternity with Jesus. And we shall behold him face-to-face. From this chamber of paradise and empowerment, Messiah will rise with his bride and return to the earth. 
and in response to his coming, the skies will roll back in reverence and the sun will stand still. The waves of the sea will fall silent and the animals will bow in grateful submission. After laying in the darkness of a satanically controlled nightmare, the earth and her inhabitants will see the blinding light of Messiah approaching with myriads of his saints at his side. And everywhere hearts will explode and tears will fall as every creature small and great bows low to the ground to honor her God and her King. And did I give you Psalms 2, the um, scripture man? Kale, this is my, so you don't have it? Okay. We all know Psalms 2. I love Psalms 2. My all-time favorite. And this is the TLB version, the, uh, I forget what that was, stands for. What fools the nations are to rage against the Lord. How strange that men should try to outwit God. For a summit conference of the nations has been called to plot against the Lord and his Messiah Christ the King. Come, let us break his chains, they say, and free ourselves from all this slavery to God. But God in heaven merely laughs. He is amused by all their puny plans. And then in fierce fury, he rebukes them and fills them with fear. For the Lord declares, this is the King of my choice, and I have enthroned him in Jerusalem, my holy city. His chosen one, Jesus, replies, I will reveal the everlasting purposes of God, for the Lord has said to me, you are my son. This is your coronation day. Today I am giving you your glory. Only ask of me and I will give you the nations of the world. Rule them with an iron rod, smash them like clay pots. O kings and rulers of the earth, listen while there is time. Serve the Lord with reverent fear, rejoice and trembling. Fall down before his son and kiss his feet before his anger is roused and you perish. I am warning you, his wrath will soon begin, but oh, the joys of those who put their trust in him. Amen. I want to end, um, I felt like the Lord gave me a certain way to end. And this is something that I, I did too. I spent a lot of time with the Lord before this message this morning. Whatever it is that's holding you down, whatever it is that you need to give up, You've heard the still, small voice of the Lord telling you, lay it down, don't pick it up again. Whatever it is, you guys know, each one knows. We're going to take a moment, and we're just going to have a moment here with the Lord, just a moment of silence where each one of us can think about that. Lord, what is it? What is it that I can lay aside that is holding me back from running the race that is set before me, that is, that is causing me to be that impure stream that is keeping you from putting your anointing and your glory on my life. And let's get rid of it. Let's lay it down. So let's take a moment right now. And um, I think she's going to play something. And we're just going to think about this for a minute, and then we're going to do something. So
Now the Lord's given you something, I believe. And so you can write that down. You can turn to somebody next to you and say, this is what the Lord said to me. I'm going to lay this thing down. I'm not going to pick it up again. You know, cowards, this is, this is not the walk for cowards. The cowardly will not make it into heaven. You cannot be a coward and serve the Lord. He said, when you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. My heart has no pleasure in him who looks back. This is a day for warriors. This is a day for people who say, I know in whom I have believed and I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep me into the day of his coming. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper because my God is a great God and a great king. And they may come at me in, in all sorts of ways, but he will lift up a standard against them. He is an honorable God and he will honor me. This is the God we serve, an amazing, amazing God. You guys are welcome. The altars are open always to come up and pray if you like. But I am done, David.